Today is about the big mistake. And again, in the beginning of the year, houses were flying off the shelf. And in the second half, things are a little different. So, you know, we have to be very thoughtful about what we're doing. And I'm seeing a lot of mistakes and mistakes that are costing people a lot of money. And I don't mean like $10,000 money. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars money. So we're going to go out on here and I'm going to show you. Here we go. We got Billy back. Thanks, Bill. Sorry about that. Yep, all good. Let's go and take a look at the market in November. And the point of this show is making the big mistake. I think, Bill, you and I see people making this huge mistake. And, um, and uh, you know, and I can tell you why they make it, too. It's not, you know, I'll show you exactly why they're making it. All right. So let's go over here to the charts. All right. So, Billy, can you see this well? Yep. Okay. All right. So the big mistake is today's show, what we're going to talk about. And first, we're going to go under the market and how is the market doing? And again, sometimes I'll break this down by city. Right now, I'm just doing a 10-mile radius of Vienna. So, you know, homes under a million dollars, 60% are under contract, right? Okay, so that's a seller's market. So a seller's market means the sellers are in control. Unless you make a mistake, you should be under contract, all right? So... 60% of those over a million dollars, 57% of the market is. So both are securely in a seller's market. That's why the next number is crazy for me. Okay. So this is the homes that have expired, right? So this month, over a million dollars, 58% of the homes closed and 42% withdrew, expired, or were canceled. So 42% or 123 homes that were listed in a market like this did not sell. Now understand that one of our homes had 99 people come through it, show it, actually show it, and had 10 or 11 contracts and sold for 200,000 over list price. Now, so, so how can 123 homes withdraw unsold in a market like that. We had 10, 11 contracts. So under 900,000, obviously <coughs> a little more ro <coughs> robust market. So 74% of those homes sold, 26 expired and withdrawn, 26%. So 348 homes failed to sell in a market where you could snap a finger and sell a house. So why is that? Well, we're going to talk about that when we get done, but let me show you the difference. Now, we've always been advocates of selling a home in the first 10 days. That's when crazy stuff happens. That's when sellers have all the control. Sellers have all the leverage. Buyers are bidding prices up. They're removing home inspections. They're removing um, um, appraisal contingencies. And Billy's been involved in a ton of these and you know with within the last week he's involved with what two of them already yep so so why is it and what's going on but let's let, let's see the damage that this done let's just look at some you want to see some damage how much money is at stake so in november this is the sales price as a percentage of the assessment so the assessor says your house worth a million dollars what is it going to sell for? So let's look at the agents that got their home sold under 10 days, okay? 
they got 124% on average of the assessed value for that home. And I'm going to put that in numbers here in a minute. It's going to knock your socks off. The average is about 120. And homes that stand for more than 30 days, which means they overpriced it, let it sit, and had to adjust, they only got 117% of their assessment, right? So what does this mean as far as numbers, right? As far as really solid numbers. All right, so I'll go back here. That's what ours was. So yes, the tips that we give on Coffee with Casey are all about pricing it correctly, staging it correctly, having the right pictures, doing the marketing, doing geofencing, doing Google ads, um, doing a coming soon predictable. So all the things that we've talked about all year long, all have produced a 131 percentage of assessment versus the agents that sell under 10 days at 124 and 120 and 117. So that's that's quite a quite a spread here between doing it right and doing it wrong. So let's call it case. Yeah. Just to piggyback on this, um, we get a lot of competing agents that say, oh, all, all Casey does is just underprice all the homes. And that's why he gets so many contracts in and so many showings. Well, there you go. I mean, if we underprice homes, we're, we're selling them 11% uh, higher than the rest of the eight, than uh, the rest Mark. of the homes that have sold and 7% right. higher than even the, the ones that the homes that go under contract in 10 days. So um, anyone that says that all we do is underprice homes and Casey's just really good at talking people into underpricing homes, which that's just a lie. So um, anyways, that's just, you know, but, but the, it, the numbers it is. To prove it. And, and you know what, Billy, you got to say something. So, you know, yeah. it is what it is, but the bottom line is you can't look at what did I get over my list price? Cause you could be just listing it low. Right. You got to look at what did you get over the assessed value? And that is the true value of premium. What is the premium? Okay. Well, if that's normal, then that's the premium of 4% if you sell within 10 days. And our premium is, is 11% in November. <clears throat> now, our normal is about 7, 8, 9%. So, yeah, we had a good month. All right. So, what does that mean money wise? Well, if, I, if a home is assessed for a million dollars and we sell it for 31%, that's what we get for our house. This is what the agents sell it for in the first 10 days. This is what the average sells it for is 1.2 million. And this is what happens if it sits on the market too long. So the difference between selling it in the first week and not is $70,000. Just, that's it. 10 mile radius, that's it. So the difference between agents that want to overprice it and do everything correctly, that difference is $140,000. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like an agent will say, uh, a seller will say, well, I'm going to go with this other agent because they think it's worth more. Billy, I think, did you and I have yeah. that? Was that more? Where they wanted to list for 2.2 or 2.3 and we said you got to two million. Well, they end up in this category here, right? So the difference is, you know, the difference here is 14% of the value. So I do, it does break my heart when people do that. And I say, look, you're, you're destined to lose 200, 250,000 bucks. That's yeah. at, at $2 million, 14% is 28 or 280,000. So um, it's that number times two. And but Billy, anyway. we've seen that damage because we'll take over listings that were on the market. Verna was on the market with another agent. And, you know, how I put it on at 1.9, I could probably get 1.975. But because it sat on the market for a year or two, 
we got 1.7. And that was because it just sat on the market with another agent. There's your two, there's your 200 legitimate $280,000 swing. Okay. That is a, Verna is a, is a case in point. They had it on for over $2 million. I thought it should have gone on for 900 plus bump, you know, plus we could have got it up. But because the damage was done, we had to move to 1.8 and then only got 1.7 because there was so much damage done to that house. So yeah, the answer is $280,000 is the difference between doing it right or doing it wrong. Let's say you don't live in a million dollar house. You live in a $700,000 assessed house. Look at the difference between 131% of assessment and 117%. Now, doing it wrong, you get this. Doing it right, you get that. So that's a hundred thousand dollars spread. So I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, and and any you know I do get you know somewhat frustrated when an agent comes in and overprices a house, and the seller decides they want to overprice the house because that's just a huge mistake. Okay, so let's take a look at why they're doing that. Okay, there's a couple of reasons why they do that. So let me escape this. Let's get back. We can see my beautiful face. You can see Billy's beautiful face. All right. So there's two main reasons why people are overpricing houses right now. Let's take Billy's listings that we've had in, in, in Burke, right? So we're in a neighborhood and it's a big neighborhood in Burke. Now understand there was only $9 million homes sold in Burke last year. Nine, right? We sold three of them. Okay. So the strategy is to not look at what the houses comp out at, but to look at what they were listed at that got that price, right? So if, if, if I run a comparable analysis and it says 1.3 million, I'm looking at where was the list price? Where was the buyer pool that got you to 1.3 million? So Billy, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we've now done three that we thought it would be one, two, five, we listed for one, one, five, and they ended up at one, three. And I think that happened on maybe two or all three of those houses, didn't it? Yeah. All three of them started at on the one ones and ended close to one, three. Um, there's one under contract right now that we can't disclose, but that's, you know, in the similar ballpark as right. the other three. So yeah. Yep. So, so the mistake everybody's making is they're looking at the comp of that we would have at 1.3 and say, let's list it at 1.3. And, and that's just actually, <clears throat> it's hard to pick that up, but because things have risen so fast and because you've listed low and they bid it up, everybody's falling for this higher number. And how do we come on with any one of those three houses, Billy? We never would have sold it in the first week. We never would have sold it in 30 days. We never would have sold it for 1.3 million. <clears throat> my guess is it would sit for 30 days. We'd sell it under $1.2 million. So, so the strategy, the, the winning strategy is find out where the buyer pool is. Don't worry about what the house is going to sell for. Where were the, and it's within a hundred thousand dollars or 50,000 or whatever it is. You've got to find out where did everybody list it to get those bidded prices up. And that's where you need to go. I mean, We've had homes that were bid up $250,000. So, so you cannot, I repeat, you cannot underbid. You cannot underprice a house. You can't do it. Because all you're doing with the list price is just setting a price where everybody's going to slam your door down. 
and run the price up. So <clears throat> it's not a function of underpricing houses. It's a function of finding out where the buyer pool is, where all those buyers are. So let me give you an example. And I tell this to the Burke sellers. Is an, is an, you know, little, little off talk, but this is what we tell the Burke sellers. Your buyer is not looking in Burke. There was only nine houses sold in all of 2021 over a million dollars. <coughs> They're not looking in Burke. <coughs> They're certainly not looking at $1.3 million. So what you have to do is, this is a part of the marketing plan, you need to go to the buyers that are looking in other areas like Vienna and McLean and Falls Church and other surrounding areas where the homes are, are you get less home for your money and you need to introduce this home to those buyers. So it's the outbound marketing that brings those in, but you still, you know, you cannot overprice a house uh, and expect to get that number. So, so number one reason for all of this is they're looking at the sales price, not the list price. <clears throat> They're listing them too high. The second reason, which is to me inexcusable. So I can understand an agent falling for that. You know, you gotta be pretty sharp to say, <clears throat> this is 2021, um, you know, houses have gone up pretty fast. So this is highly unusual. So to catch that, don't look at the sales price, look at the list price. You got to be pretty sharp to pick that up. That's number one. So I don't really blame them for that, for overpricing. I do blame them for this. 90% of the realtors are all now addicted to pricing engines online. Compass, all experienced, smart agents. Compass writes them a check, big check, to come work for Compass and then takes a percentage of their income. So in order for them to <coughs> be written a check, these are not stupid agents, right? But Compass is all about our technology and you put your name, num, you know, the address into, a, into a, um, um, a search engine and it tells you the value and it prints out a 26 page report. I've seen the reports, they're hogwash. I mean, how an experienced agent can um, rely on that is just, um, um, it's malpractice. I think it's malpractice and I will tell you that the money at stake here is $100,000 to $150,000. And for them to rely on a computer when they're experienced realtors and they know it very well, to spit out a number on a 26 page report and represent that number is where you need to go in. And I will tell you that I check before Billy and I go in or Kelly or Morgan or any one of my agents goes into a listing. I run all my own numbers and I look at every estimate of value from Zillow and realtor.com and all the you know, genius websites, Home Snap and Redfin. <clears throat> They're all over the place. I mean, they literally are. It's crazy. They're $150,000 off each other. So the big question is you can't rely. So the two mistakes that are causing all of this damage to sellers is they're looking at sales price, not list price. They're not knowing where their buyer pool is. And they're relying on computers to tell them what the house is worth. Okay. So as we start to wind down from 2021 and everybody's either saying the market is slowing down, you know, those 42% of the people that withdrew their house, what do they think about the market? That the market sucks, but it doesn't suck. The market's great. 
I mean, we just got 131% of our assessed value in the first three days of all of our houses. So it doesn't stink. It's a good market. It's just, they're doing it wrong. They're just doing it wrong. And to put a house in the computer and depend on the buyer pool that's surrounding you in your MLS, that's wrong too, because that buyer pool, okay, you might find buyer two in here, but the buyer pool is out here. The buyer pool is people that aren't even looking in your town yet. They're, they're looking in McLean or they're looking in Great Falls or they're looking in, um, you know, someplace else. This is very inherent when you're talking about Burke, Oakton, Oak Hill, you know, all of these places where you get a lot more house for your money, but you can't go to Burke to find a buyer pool. Buyer pool's out here looking for million dollar homes in other places. So it is, it is certainly a combination of realtors are, are, um, used to just putting in the MLS and let that, that buyer pool attached to that house. Whereas the smarter realtors have to market to all of the buyers. Well, I mean, Billy, you, you interview all the buyers coming into your houses, where are they coming from? Uh, mostly, um, you know, east of us. So they're coming from Arlington, Alexandria, DC, um, you know, there's a migration west right now, um, and it's been the same since COVID started. You know, people are looking for more house, more yard, better schools, um, safety, really. Um, you know, we always talk about the number one thing that that parents look for is schools and safety. Um, and, you know, being 30 minutes outside of D.C., you know, that's a normal commute into the city if you need to go into the city. So we're kind of right in the sweet spot of schools, safety. Um, you know, there's public transportation into uh, into um, D.C. Um, you know, on the metro. Um, so, yeah, everyone's kind of migrating, um, you know, quicker than they that, than they were before. Um, you know, we would only see, let's just say, 20 percent of the people migrating out now. It's like 50 or, or 70 percent are migrating yeah. out. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Seems like there is a there is a ton of people and they're coming out. So I think that and it's not just <clears throat> the reaching out from the Arlington people and all of that. It's more than that because we're seeing a lot of people from the West Coast. West Coast, yeah, that's what I was gonna touch on. Yeah, we interview everyone that's putting in a contract on their houses and we're finding that the number of people coming in from the, specifically from the West Coast is growing like a weed. Yeah. So let's say a person on the West Coast hears about a place called McLean and they're in McLean. Okay, they're not looking at Vienna or Burke or Thing. We need our social media director, our geofencing guru, Julie, and, and Google ads guru. She, they, they can tag those people, ship our ads to that person on their Facebook, Instagram, Wall Street Journal feed, USA Today, and all that stuff. And, and they can be looking at McLean and find a house in Vienna, and they weren't even looking in Vienna. Mm -hmm. So we, in order to capture, it's so funny. I, I was talking to one person. They said, yeah, a realtor takes an ad out in a magazine in France. They, they advertise their home in a magazine in France, right? So, so which to me was, it was just kind of laughable. I mean, that's so, it's a 1985-ish kind of thing. I just, the way you do it is those people from France are looking in McLean or Arlington or Alexandria. And when they do, they get tagged 
and your ad follows them back to their home. And that's how you, you get an international buyer. That's how you get, you know, this international MLS is bunk. That's the way you get them. They have an agent, they're looking in this area, they have stored searches, but you just need to catch the people that have stored searches that aren't in your area. So this is, that's a part of the marketing, um, uh, more of the marketing uh, discussion than it is the pricing discussion and why people are losing so much money. But I think it's a combination of both, Billy. I think it's, yeah. you know, not prepared correctly. It's not priced correctly. And if you're not shooting it out, and I, I truly feel that the more Julie progresses with this, finding people that are looking from out of the area in other areas, mm-hmm. I think that's why people are, you've got to look at this and go, now, come on. We're at, we're at 131% of assessment. And yes, we're pricing it right. And yeah, we're staging it right. And you and Morgan and Kelly and everybody doing such a great job staging these houses. But come on, man. I mean, 8% over the market, 11% over the market of homes that are selling in the first you know, 10 days. What is that extra bump? Where's that coming from? And I got to tell you, the more I'm, the more I investigate this, the more we talk to these buyers and see them, a lot of the buyers were not looking in Burke or Oakton or Vienna when they start their search. It was the ads that hit them with the right price and the right staging and the nice website and all of that that dragged them in. And I think that an Arlington buyer looked at Vienna prices and said, "This is nothing." Mm-hmm. You know, they're more than willing. They're, they're looking at this going, "Well." Shit in Arlington, this is 1.5. I'll give you one three. I'll give you one three five. So, so I think that the difference between when we started the pandemic, so Arlington prices were here, and let's take a place like Vienna, and Vienna's prices were here, but as the pandemic happened and people migrated, I think the prices are going like this. I think that the difference between a let's call it a 4,000 square foot house in Arlington and a 4,000 square foot house in Vienna two years ago was like this. Now I'll bet the prices are like this. Mm-hmm. So that's a good practice for me to, you know, next time maybe I'll, I'll say, what is a 4,000 square foot house in Vienna worth? What's an Arlington worth in 2019? And then track those to see if that's, that's correct. But it seems to me like the, the, the prices outside of the Beltway, the Percyville, the Oak Hill, the Burke, they're all starting to catch up with some of those in in town pricing and in case just one thing also um, when we talk about out of town buyers coming in um, and you're right i mean probably 20 to 25 maybe a third of our buyers are coming from out of town and when uh, amazon announced i think it was in 2019 that they were going to be setting up their headquarter too in um in arlington um you know we, we get a lot of questions about that and it's true you know there's a lot of tech jobs there's a lot of tech people coming in from um the west coast new york coming here. Um, and what we had thought in 2018, 2019 was that Arlington and Alexandria was going to explode, right? Because it was right there, you know, everyone needed to be at the headquarters, but with, you know, with, with working remote now, I think those people, they're not looking in Arlington or Alexandria because they don't have to be in the headquarters day to day. Right. They're looking outside to 20 to 30 minutes outside. And it's, it's opening up the search to people because, you know, we're, we're working more remote now. Right. So whenever we um, whenever we get that question, hey, is is Amazon a thing or not? I mean, yeah, we definitely see tech people coming in. So it's a thing to a certain extent. But um, I think that's kind of just, you know, how COVID has kind of shifted the, you know, the immediate suburbs are becoming more attractive 
Um, and like right. you're saying, I bet the growth in Arlington hasn't been as fast as as Vienna, Oakton, and you know, just the the suburbs right. around us. Well, and I'll tell you, Billy. So the reason why our economy does so well around here <coughs> yeah. has always been the federal government and everybody buying from the federal government. Well, when Amazon moves in, they're a new federal government. I mean, now uh, you know, ancillary companies will start moving around them and expanding out, and you know, quickly. Uh, Virginia Tech put a billion dollars in there as well. And and now you're starting to see up and down the Dulles Corridor and 66 yeah. Corridor and even in Maryland, you're starting to see people it's, that will tie into this this high-tech community. Yeah, it's, it's not even like it's it's not even like a company's coming in. It's really an industry's coming in, right? It's whenever you bring in Google, uh, Amazon, Apple, whenever you bring in those here. Apple. Exactly. Whenever you bring in those big headquarters, we're not bringing in you know, we're not bringing in one company, we're bringing in the industry, the tech industry is moving in. So it's, it's really doubling down with the federal government. Now we're also a tech industry. So. Yeah. And, you know, Colby is dealing with, uh, you know, a high level uh, Microsoft uh, person who's bringing in 200 people. So yeah, it's, I, it's so I guess the question is, are we at our peak? It's, could what happened in 2008 happen today? You know, I really don't see, I don't see that. I mean, I think we're at a hyper peak. There's no doubt about it. I think when the inventory expands and the interest rates go up and look, I'm, I'm, I've been in the market in 1981. I saw 17% interest rates. I know what that looks like. I know the long track to recover from high interest rates. It was a nightmare. So <clears throat> inflation scares the heck out of me. Um, inventory scares me. So it makes me a little cautious, but still the underlying um, employment centers are bringing in bigger money. And that's why I think, you know, sometimes the bigger houses over a million are even benefiting more because <clears throat> like the guy said, he came in to buy a $1.4 million house. The bidding was up to 1.5. He came in at 165. And he said, look, do you know what 165 buys you in LA? Nothing. He goes, this is nothing. I'll take the house. So really, um, I call it stupid money. Like, you know, hey, I'm not going to do things based on what it's worth. I'm going to do things based on what I want, not what I need, but what I want. And uh, they got a lot of money. They're coming in with a lot of money. So, uh, so I do see that. So, so in a recap for this one today, we're talking about the big mistake. Um, they, you know, agents are overpricing homes because A, they're looking at list prices, not sales prices. The cost of the seller, if a home sits on the market for over 30 days, they average 117% of their assessment, average is 120. People that sell in the first week is 124. Our average is 131 because we may do other things with our listings. But if you just look at the average of the other agents between you know, under 10 days and after 30 days, you can see that there's at least a seven to 8% difference in value that they're receiving for their house. So don't overprice the house. And if, you know, get focused more on explaining why are you listing where you're listing, where the buyer pool is, what kind of marketing they do. If they do marketing to attract outside buyers, it's very, very important. I think that's what pushes us from the 124 range up to the 131 range. So that's important as well. But, and this is another thing I wanna say. <clears throat> if you have friends or family or, you know, I never like to ask for referrals. You know, I think that because we have a good track record, we get plenty of business, but it really, 
upsets me that people lose so much money in the real estate market. If somebody's listing a house, have them give us a call, whether it's a friend or a family or a business associate um, or a neighbor or a neighbor. Don't let your neighbors make mistakes. Don't let your family make mistakes. If they're going to sell a house then they need to, uh, they need to give us a call. Okay. My name is Casey Sampson. We've been talking with Billy Sampson. He's one of our top agents on the Casey Sampson team. You can reach me at 703-508-2535 or uh, email me at Casey at CaseySampson.com. You can always look at what our team is doing at CaseySampson.com. And then you've got a little blog button where Julie has a blog of all of our coffee with Casey. So, so stay tuned. Don't let anybody make a mistake out there in the market. Give us a call or shoot us an email. And if you're wondering what the price of your house is, you can text me 703-508-2535 and I'll shoot you on my opinion. All right, we'll see you next Thursday on Coffee with Casey. Bye, Billy. Thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, later. Bye, guys.